Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who like to take big pieces of wood and make them smaller. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it's episode number 406 for September 4th, 2017. On today's show, we're talking about sliding versus non-sliding miter saws, workbench crotchets, storing logs before... It's not funny the second time around. Uh, workbench hey. crotchets. <laughs> oh, I'm not I supposed also to mention think, that. isn't this 407? <laughs> uh, stink. Is it? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, it will be, because last show was a 406 weekend show. Because I've already started the show notes, and if it's not 407, uh, I'm not redoing it. <laughs> okay, so... <clears throat> it's uh, episode number 407 for 9417. <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for looking out. We didn't catch that last time. Yeah, we are recording a second time because I screwed something up, so you might hear a couple references to uh, stuff you'll never hear. And anyway, so... <laughs> What, what was the last thing storing logs before milling them is uh, oh, Matt's man. question. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Some Cremona question. <clears throat> Something like that. Okay. So uh, let's just thank a couple people who helped us out. Paul Hudson. I'm going to have to go and find the people because I actually delete the uh, Patreon <laughs> notifications. I read them before and I don't remember them. So I'll, we'll put those oh, in the show man. notes. Then. Why are we even doing a show? It's like, <clears throat> this really is what happens today. when we take time off. We, we, we just, we get rusty. This isn't good for us guys. Uh, so if you want to help us out, uh, which you probably don't at this point, uh, patreon.com slash woodtalk is where you can go to do that. <laughs> Let's get to what's on the bench. Uh, now, we had a, a good long time off. I'm, I'm assuming everybody was pretty productive in this time. Uh, I've actually been focused on nothing but outdoor style projects. Uh, tons of epiphanes in my life. Too much, in fact. Uh, I'm wondering if there's any way that I could somehow get involved in, I don't know, owning stock in the company at this point because it seems like I just keep buying cans of Epiphanes and throwing it on everything. So <laughs> I've got a garden gate that I started when Cremona was out here that is still being finished and then I'm doing uh, redoing my Adirondack chairs and both of those are getting the, the Epiphanes CPES treatment and uh, hopefully it will last a, a good amount of time. I mean the, the Adirondack chairs are about six years old at this point so the old finishes were not, I didn't do that, uh, CPES, uh, Epiphanes combination. They were just, uh, I believe I did teak oil and a, a couple coats of sickened Cetol. And both of those, you know, over six years, Arizona, one year in Colorado, not holding up nearly as well as the Epiphanes would. Um, but I am anxious to see just how well, uh, that stuff holds up. Now, Matt, how many years has your farmhouse table had? The farmhouse table had one. So one, the Adirondack one chairs have had a couple now. Did the, the Adirondack chairs, the finish is like not even on there. They're basically unfinished because the finish failed so long ago. It just like the yeah. weather just ate it up. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it peeled off a long time ago, and now my cherry is gray. What? So I have gray Adirondack chairs. What did you put on the chairs? Was it Epiphanes? I was uh, general finishes outdoor oil. Okay. See, I, I put I think that I only along put like two or three coats on it too, so I got lazy. I put that along the lines of like the um, what do you call it? Uh, teak oil. 
product you can get at Home Depot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Watco. Yeah. Watco, that's what it yeah. is. Along the same lines. And that's uh, that's what I had on one of my Adirondack chairs. And it didn't take long before it's just kind of eating away that top layer. So you go to sand it and that top layer just immediately turns into like dust. And you've actually got to sand quite a bit to get through that stuff. Um, so I'm hoping the Epiphanes, I mean, you got a year ahead of me. So if it starts to fail, let me know ahead of time. <laughs> I'll go out and, uh, you know, treat mine before they get really bad. I don't know. It's looking pretty good for a whole year out there. It looks exactly the same as it did last summer. That's good. So there's that at least. Yeah, at least a year. Yeah, I got one year off. <laughs> well, and I, the, mean, the, I don't think gotcha. a lot of finishes actually claim more than that. I mean, maybe the CBS stuff does, but I mean, outdoor finishes are meant you always to need not last. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, you just you can't expect that. You're um, essentially and especially like, if you're using a film finish, it's going to flake off. There's yeah. no way around it. Well, I think if you're in the Epiphanes world, you're expected to coat in, in all likelihood coat per season. You know, so if you've got a boat or something out there. At the yeah. end of the season, you sand it down and you recoat it, and you prevent that flaking and cracking and all that stuff from from happening in the first place. So there, you can't get out of the maintenance schedule with these things. But I'm I'm just wondering. But like, you can make it easier by skipping a film finish and just going with an oil. You know that way you don't have to resand it. You can just reapply. Yeah, but you're also if, going to affect the wood if, in the long run. You how do you mean? figure? Well, because the oil isn't offering a whole lot of protection. You really are relying. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. You're relying no. on the wood itself to do all the work. Uh, when you put a film finish, eventually what you're doing is just maintaining the film. And the wood is happily sitting under there going, life is good. Life is good. Uh, but you got to keep renewing the top <laughs> coat to protect it. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> Which is why I choose a good wood for my outdoor furniture. Hey, that's a good thing. Uh, so do I. So yeah, let's talk about that for a second. So both of these chairs are uh, Honduran mahogany. One is a plantation-grown Fiji mahogany, and the other is a true Honduran mahogany that you're not supposed to buy. Or can you even buy that anymore, Shannon? Actual Honduran? No. Yeah. I mean, it, well, it just doesn't come from Honduras. Okay. Most of it hasn't come from Honduras. It, it, if many, if many a company years. has some in inventory that they just haven't been able to move, but it was, you know... It, it oh was, yeah, yeah. There's nothing. They it's can a, sell it's it a CITES two species. It's okay. still tradable. It's just more expensive. But I okay. question whether or not it actually came from Honduras. <laughs> okay, I mean, you're talking like 40, 50 years before. Gotcha. You know, it's Central American mahogany. Yeah, so the species or, or is South the same, American but the, the the locale it was grown is questionable. Right. So both of these chairs have have held up so well. So the the wood itself is just super durable. Like if I could build anything. From now on, anything that goes outside, I want to make it from Honduran mahogany because the stuff just holds up. Everything I built out of other species outside tends to crack and and it really re- relies on that top coat to save it from doing what Mother Nature wants it to do. Uh, these species are just kind of sitting out there with very little finish protecting them at all and it's happy. So uh, Matt, yours is cherry. Yeah. How's the wood itself holding up at this point? Better than I thought it would. I've got some end grain checking, like mm-hmm. on the top of the back splats, but that's really about it. Okay, it's not rotting so, at all. So that's an interesting thing. You would, ex- you would, I would almost expect any wood would would do that. But these chairs, if you look at the top of the chairs, the end grain of those back pieces, there isn't a crack or split to be seen nice. on any of them. Nice. Right. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like this stuff is just not created equal. There's some species that are just way better at enduring uh, weather conditions. So anyway, that's all I have to say. If they grew in a tropical forest, there's a good safe bet that they're going to do all right. Yeah. So screw those domestics, baby. Ah. What a waste. Uh, all right. <laughs> Shannon, what do you, what do you uh, got going on? Creating controversy. Lovely. What I'm trying to do. Nice. All right, I'll jump in here. Um, I went up to Maine while we were gone. I finished up three projects on my new workbench up there. It was really fun to play with a new workbench, Um, you know, instead of just building it and then pushing it into a corner and leaving it there, (laughs) which was very sad. Um, But that was was a blast. I mean, as much as I enjoy my my shop with its creature comforts and the nice tools and all the work (laughs) that I put into it, there was something very fun about just going to a blank space with lots of natural light and like cool breezes and, mm-hmm. and, and seagulls in the background. You didn't miss your, water uh, you and, didn't miss your Phillips hue lights. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been trying to recreate the same light in here for a while. Yeah. You're <laughs> trying to get that main house light. <laughs> I mean, it was a Royal pain to film. I can tell you that much. Um, mm-hmm. 
to with all the natural light and lots of like shadowy dark spots in there. Yeah, you got to fill to get a bunch the lighting of stuff just in. right. And there's no way to shoot without backlight in that place. I had like a like a one foot square that I could stand in that didn't get any backlight. <laughs> so it was it was interesting to try to film that. But um, yeah, I got those three projects done and came back to the shop here and I've been milling up some walnut to start uh, a wall mirror. So been busy, been very busy. Nice. So wow. the, the fact of the matter is, is that it's wood talk that kills my productivity because we didn't have wood talk and I got a lot done. <laughs> yeah. I, that is a good cause and effect to, to draw there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's a good relationship. I have the same feeling if you know, wood talk just prevents me from getting lots of things done. You should name this title the Wood Talk Pity Party. <laughs> Woe is us. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> All right. Speaking of pity, why don't you go now, Matt? Oh, thanks. What? It's fine. Nothing. I was right. being I did nice. a lot of stuff. I was being nice. Hey, hey shut your mouth. I'm talking. All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing changes. <laughs> you think we'd be nicer to each other after spending a week together at my house, but uh, yeah, no dice. I would anticipate the opposite, actually. I think if you get more <laughs> more friendly with someone, you get uh, more mean to them. You know? That's right. It's, it's even more, even more so. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I, sp- I spent a week at uh, Mark's place back. Oh my, that was like almost a month ago. Yeah, already. it was a while ago. Well, we're going to talk about that in the weekend show. So we'll uh, we'll we'll go into detail. Talk actually more broadly. Talk about what it's like to uh, work with someone in your shop. So if you're if you're just itching to hear how it all went down, we'll we'll, you gotta we'll tell wait. you that. You got to wait till the weekend. Well, I just those, I just want to know one things. thing. One thing, because it doesn't have anything to do with working with somebody in the shop. Okay. Does Nicole actually smart Mac around when he's not on camera? Because I, I envision that a lot. I envision she's very heavy handed and just like lots of backhands. Shannon, not when there are guests uh. around. There See, are like, I wouldn't think that that would slow her down. She's there, a Missouri girl. There are like, you know, legal concerns here. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I, we're not really very violent, but I'll let Matt Matt answer that question. Are we, are we a violent family, Matt? Like violently loving each other? Yes, we love each other violently. <laughs> That's a great way to describe uh, it. There's lots of PDA in the Spagnola household. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, let's 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 talk uh, about that later. Because oh, <laughs> that's that's a rabbit hole. That's the wood anyway, the all dark. kinds of stuff you got done. What'd you get done? So we did the picture, picture frames and things at your place and the varsal at your place. So we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. And then I got back here. I've been working on the high boy and that's going to get glued up. The lowercase is getting glued up this afternoon. Pretty excited about that because um, it's been a while coming, I guess. Mm-hmm. At this point, uh, I painted my sawmill. Yeah, so what's up with that? that? Why'd you do that? Given oh, into the well, internet you know, pressure or you just want to see it? I've been putting it off for a while. Yeah. About it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Do an Instagram story. This, okay. There's not a whole lot there to that, I guess. <laughs> Were pe- weren't people giving you crap about it though, in terms of like the potential for rust and protecting it? They wanted to. Oh, they I wanted mean, to see you paint this thing. According to them, it would have already rusted away. And yeah. It shouldn't even be there anymore. <laughs> it should be a pile of dust. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when I I've, I built it and I got it running and I got it cutting. And like, if anyone was following along with that in the moment, like I was so sick of building a sawmill. I was like, I just want to cut stuff. Yeah. I don't care. I'm just cutting stuff. <laughs> right. Ratchet straps holding the covers on. Don't care. No belt guard. Don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, no lube system. I got to do it manually. I don't care. I got to stand there anyway. Yeah. Like I just want to be cutting stuff. So I've been cutting stuff. It's been fun. I literally have nothing here to cut anymore. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this thing apart finally and get it painted up because I've been, to put, I've been putting it out for a long time and I'm almost done with the plans for the mill. So I want to have like the first version, like the manual version mill, which is what I'm building right now done so that when the plans are done, like you can actually see like this is the final thing of the plans as opposed to here's some like thing that someone slapped together mm-hmm. based off these plans that they never finished. Hmm. So I'm playing that game as well with that. Nice. Yeah. Sounds and then good, tomorrow night I'm going to England for uh, like 12 days. Jolly old England. Jolly old England. Hey, my brother lives oh. around there. You should say hi while you're there. Hi there. It's not that big of a place, right? You should be able to find him. I have you're no going, idea. You're going where? To Yandles? What's I'm the going show? To, 
I'm going to Yandel's. That'll be oh crap! That's already this weekend. I'll be there this weekend at Yandel's for their two-day an open house show thing, whatever nice. they whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, Yandel's is like a lumber yard and like a tool store, like all together. Like if Rockley Woodcraft actually had like wood for real, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Oh, that's uh, terrible <laughs> compared to the fake wood they sell. Now. That's so condescending. Well, yeah, they have a few boards. They have like you know twenty board feet of everything. It's all surface, but like they don't have a whole lot of stuff because they don't have floor space for it or whatever but anyway so i'm doing that and then next week i'm doing a green chair making class with uh you know shannon style so i'm gonna be rocking a pole lathe and uh some kind of cool stuff like draw knives and shave ponies and things i'll have i'll have all the lingo down when i get back (laughs) so i think maybe shannon can take a bow out and i'll just handle you're taking the class i thought you were saying you were teaching the teaching i'm like what yeah (laughs) so on the plane i'm gonna be studying all the lingo So I'm flying over. Got to be prepared to teach. The Renaissance woodworker loaded up. I signed up for the hand tool school. I'm going to get through everything so that next week I can do the whole class. Oh, it's going to be a long flight. Awesome. Are you going to be able to say like, you're going into like England, like where they invented the pole lathe and you're going to teach it? It's going to be some old bodger coming out of the woods just to like beat you with his spring bowl. Get out of here. Dude, that's how that's the all of our claim to fame like for all of us. We just started teaching people like 2 minutes after we learned how to do something. That's just that's how we do it. It's true. That's fine. Uh-huh. Are you yeah, going to so be able to like, like a, film? Like a chair. Hold on there. What was that? Are you going to be able to film anything? I mean, because you're taking the class. You don't want to be the guy with a camera. Oh, well, Triton's doing that, so I don't have to worry about it. So, so let's go to a film crew. Yeah. All right, Mark, you're off the hook on the Honda money thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> see a film crew here. around here, huh? No. Mr. Yeah, so, uh, Mr. Triton money class, over there. And Triton's going to be doing some videos about the whole thing. They'll be doing a video on me doing the class while I'm there. It's going to be right. fun. You know what? Public that- service announcement. Anyone who's taking this class with Matt, please, 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 please take photos of Matt being followed by his film crew. <laughs> Matt in makeup. Matt with like the little Kleenexes sticking out of his car. Yes, as yeah. they please. I will actually pay you for this. Please. That sounds fantastic. You know, honestly, that sounds like the worst video ever. To watch a video of someone else taking a woodworking class. <laughs> watch Matt learn how to use this tool. I don't know. Watch Matt doze off in the class. <laughs> Here's Matt picking his nose. <laughs> well, seriously though, that sounds good. Have a safe trip, man. That's uh, that that that's gonna be uh, it's gonna be one for the books. That's pretty cool. It, it will be because like what's really cool is because when I was there with you, Mark, we did the power carving on the seat. Yeah. Well, this class is all hand tool carving, so mm-hmm. I'll be doing a seat, kind of like the same thing I just did at your place, but with right. hand tools, traditional tools. So, that's sweet. Yeah. You get, you I'm gonna, like, give me my Arbor Tech. You're going to be doing it on a Bobinga seat or? <laughs> yeah. Probably not. I hope, probably. <laughs> I highly doubt it. I'm, actually, I'm not even sure what we're using. Something I'll find soft. Out. I'm sure. Uh, okay. Well, that sounds cool. Uh, so are you not going to be here for our next show, I assume, then? Unless you want me to try and be a robot, Matt. Yeah. It just depends on how Skype holds up. Okay. Only well, if you promise to use a British accent. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, I'm not that good. Or just get somebody else with a British, British accent to stand in. Be uh, good. Yeah, there you go. I just have someone else do the show for me <laughs> that has an actual accent. Accents are good. Okay, so let's get into what's new. Just got a couple things here to share with you. Uh, Danny on Facebook sent me this video. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's a company that makes $300,000 stereo speakers. Oh, uh, yeah. I've seen these people before. Awesome. And I'm sure I wouldn't be able to hear the difference, but... Because I don't have those, you know, golden ears, but uh, really cool. It's always cool to see these processes and especially how a company, a bigger uh, company like this uses some old techniques and are talking about like hand cut wood joinery. You see some uh, really nice dovetails being done as a guy's fitting a case together. Um, Stuff that it seems completely impractical unless you charge $300,000 and actually get someone to buy it. So very cool stuff. It's interesting. This is actually not that uncommon. 300,000 is kind of at the top, but there, I actually, at the lumberyard, we sell to three manufacturers who make six figure plus speakers. Wow. You know, they're like $110,000, $130,000 speakers. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. I had no idea there was a luxury speaker market. <laughs> There's a luxury everything market. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. It's awesome. People like to spend um, their money. 
This is relatively new. It's been teased for a while, but uh, Freddie Roman has been teasing that he's going to do on a podcast for a while. And the Against the Grain podcast is now out. I think the first three episodes have been released. This is uh, Freddie Roman, Justin De Palma, and Guy Dunlap. So mm-hmm. um, three professionals should be a really, really interesting listen. I got like five minutes into the intro and then turned it off. Life- Life happened, and I, I'm kind of anxious to get back to it. That's a hell of an endorsement, Shannon. This is so good. I can't listen to this. I'm not good enough to listen to this show. Five minutes in, and I got bored. <laughs> All right. I had to rethink that little phrase there. Uh, the funny thing is, like, if you go looking for Against the Grain podcast, you're going to find a very different podcast, like a holistic medicine-type podcast. So I was actually, when I put this into the show notes, I was trying to find the link. I can't find it. The only reason I found it in the first place is Freddie posted it on Facebook and I clicked that link to the like iTunes store, mm-hmm. like on my phone, and I subscribed right there. But <laughs> through Google, I have not been able to find anything but this holistic medicine against the grain nutrition type podcast. So I don't subscribe to that unless you're really into that. It's funny you should say that because when I saw, I think I don't know, it might have been on Instagram or something, I saw it was finally released. I was like, oh, let me go and subscribe to it real quick. I had the same problem and I quickly came to the realization. <laughs> that against the grain might not have been the best name for them to pick. Cause there's about 30 podcasts called against the grain. And I had uh, pretty much a hundred percent of them with the exception of theirs is not about woodworking. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so. too much of a, um, a typical phrase that's just used, you know, in common language that mm-hmm. it, it's, it's used so much that it actually does make it difficult to find their show. So, um, the irony is it's used so much that most people have no idea what they're talking about. If you, when we say against the grain, it's immediate, like visceral image comes to our mind and yeah. other people are like, Oh yeah, yeah. That, that dovetails nicely with what I'm telling you. It's just a run of the mill expression that goes oh, against geez. the grain. Yeah. And I think there's a bad religion album that's called against the grain too. And I'm, I'm wondering, I don't remember the lyrics, but I don't think it's about woodworking. Anyway, yeah. Freddie, I've heard you listen from time to time. <laughs> send me a link. <laughs> I have it. I'll, I'll send you a link. Okay, good. We won't promote I... your show until he sends a link. You better be listening. <laughs> and I, I, I have. Find it. Now, granted, I did. Uh, I only tried for like a minute, but I couldn't find it. I did listen to the show for more than five minutes. In fact, I listened good. to a couple of episodes, and it's it's very good. I like the idea of having. What's interesting about this and where a lot of the audio shows are going now is we're finding the niches growing and sort of the deeper niches growing. So now you've got this show that represents, you know, very uh, sort of professional perspective on it and hearing their perspective on the craft as well as their perspective on, you know, content production and thing that's happened. Then you have your shows that are purely content production. Uh, Then you have your shows that are like uh, just talking about stats and how to, how to better your show. It's purely for people who are making content and trying to, 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 you know, excel on social media. So it's interesting to see the variety of these that are coming up as sort of the third, I don't know, third or fourth generation of, of this sort of craft podcast thing coming out at this point. It's, it's interesting to see the variety. Uh, and this is definitely a good one to have in your lineup. Cool. Okay. Um, the last thing I had in here is a little self promotion. I released a new semester, the hand tool school. That's what I was doing up in Maine. Hey, sorry. My own podcast. Censorship. I can't promote my stuff on my own podcast. <laughs> <coughs> All right, go ahead. Oh, it's promotion <laughs> day? Sweet. Let's promote the guild. Okay. So now, this this is we, – we had a conversation earlier, and actually I think this was in the first time we tried to record this show, and it yeah. failed. But we talked about how cool it is that like we've been doing this long enough that you can reference something from six years ago, seven yeah. years ago, and actually mm-hmm. update the video on it because Mark was updating. Here, Mark, I'll promote your stuff. How's oh, that? Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. Mark that. did an Adirondack build in the guild. And, you know, he refinished it now. So now he's able to push out a new video and it like people who subscribed are going to get this, you know, which is just very cool that the content's been around that long. I built this orientation semester after running the hand tool school for more than seven years, it's like mm-hmm. seven years. What? That can't be. But it's it is the product of seven years of learning how woodworkers learn and like what questions total newbies to the craft have. Because even though my semester one is meant to be a beginner thing, there's a lot of stuff that I think that it tends to gloss over stuff that somebody who's been doing it for a while, you, you kind of forget, you know, mm-hmm. um, and this is this is the result of that. I'm pretty excited about it. I think it really um, it's a great entry point for a lot of people. So, nice. Sales pitch over. That sounds good, though. <laughs> I can't wait to not watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched watch the intro on YouTube <laughs> on the YouTubes <laughs> on the YouTubes. All right. So, uh. <laughs> We got some kickback over here. 
And uh, we've got one that I'm going to read and then a bunch of voicemail kickbacks. Um, or are they kickbacks or kicks back? What's the plural? <laughs> You're thinking too hard. Uh, well, of course. That's what I do. Uh, okay. So <laughs> this is from Steve. I don't know, but if they had saw stop, they wouldn't have that problem. Oh, wait. Yes, it they would. Prevent kickback. Yep. Sorry. Wah, wah. All right. <laughs> so the missus and I just moved into a new house after living in a relative spare bedroom for six months. And in the interest of having furniture now, instead of waiting for me uh, to make, hold on, I got to make this a little wider to make the furniture we needed at my pace of somewhere between uh, geologic. Okay. Here's another pronunciation question. Uh, epic or epoch. What do you prefer? Epoch. I like epic. Matt, have an opinion? Coffee? No, I, have no, I literally have no opinion. Okay. So, <laughs> so he says somewhere between Geologic, Epic, and Shannon, I choked down my pride and bought a few inexpensive flat pack furniture items, the real cheap stuff, not even the good Swedish stock. And looking over the instructions, I was reminded of a conversation a few episodes back. You joked about calling pocket screws loose metal tenons. Well, my friends... The cheap press board furniture makers have caught on because they don't call them dowels or cam screws anymore. Nope. They were labeled wood and steel tenons all throughout the instructions. Huh. That's funny. Wood and steel tenons. Yeah. Wood and steel tenons. I mean, I'm, I like it. I guess. I, I, good for them for, you know, trying to make it sound better. But does the average person even care like who's buying that hundred dollar entertainment center? Do they don't even know what a tenon is? Yeah, would they know the difference? They'd be like, oh, this screw thing, you call that a tenon? Okay, thanks. It seems almost I wonder, like it be- I wonder if it's in response to people who do know that like screwed together furniture isn't good. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there's that next that next tier of of low quality furniture buyer yeah, yeah. who says, Oh, I don't want that screwed together crap. You know, maybe it's in response to IKEA or something. Right, I don't know. Right. That's weird. Yeah, I, wooden uh, steel tenons. I like that. Or is they refer to the boards as like uh, I don't know, uh, wood and resin hybrid something? You know, so they don't have to call it particle <laughs> board. Right. Yeah. Uh, smart. Instead of termite barf, it is. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Okay. So let's get to a couple of the voicemails here. First one is from Brian. He's got a little kickback on the Honda Ridgeline. Hey this guys, is this is show. Brian from Charlotte. Um, I have a kickback from uh, two or three episodes ago where you guys were poking fun at the Honda Ridgeline. I just want to say that I don't find it fair. I have a friend who has a Honda Ridgeline and says it's the best work truck he's ever owned. Incidentally, I'm on my way to pick him up on the side of the road. He (laughs) called me and told me his truck broke down for some reason. I don't know. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. It's purely a coincidence, I'm sure. Actually, you know, a friend of mine back in Arizona actually loves the Ridgeline and uh, finally was able to get one of the new ones and absolutely adores that vehicle. So, you know, it's cars. People get uptight about that stuff for some reason. Okay. So the next one is Jonathan. He's got, uh, well, let's, you'll hear what he's got to say. Hello, uh, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Yesterday I was hand planing some walnut and I took a drink of iced coffee. I noticed it tasted different. We all know that smell influences our taste, so I took a pile of shavings and put it to my nose and took another drink. Now woodworkers can enjoy coffee in a new way. I posted a short video to my Instagram, Jonathan L. Griffith. Jonathan is spelled J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N if you want to check it out. <laughs> okay. So, uh, okay, here I go. Go to a minute. I never tried that, uh, but at least we know how to spell Jonathan. Um, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Martin, Martin West wrote in uh, with a. None of these are really about woodworking. You ever notice that? Um, about a new nickname. Greetings, albino gorilla, Harriet Giggler, and player to be named later. It's was- Martin West from Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. Greetings, guys. Love the show. I think I've solved the problem of Mark's new handle slash nickname. It takes into account his Italian heritage, his home state of New Jersey, and also a play on words on wood species. Are you ready? Drum roll, Mark. <laughs> Buddy Bingo. Tony Soprano <laughs> would be proud. What say you? Bada Bingo. I like it. I could live with that. I'm also half Hungarian. <laughs> but I, I, don't, I shouldn't mention that because then it ruins the joke. Okay, so we've got one from Mike Powers. This actually does have something to do with woodworking. 
Hi guys, this is Mike from Turning Sawdust into Groceries. Have a quick kickback about the dude with the hickory planing problem. Um, a great tip I got from my mentor is to get a small container of really hot tap water and a rag and wipe down the surface of the board, uh, the side that's going through the planer. Uh, let it soak in a little bit. No, it's not going to warp your board. No, it's not going to ruin your finish. Uh, you're going to plane it all off. But uh, the water soaks in, especially the hot water, you know, as in like uh, how well that works for steaming out dents and stuff like that. It really helps uh, soften up the grain so that you can run it through the planer and it really decreases the tear out quite a bit. Uh, also, keeping an eye on you know, grain direction as it goes through the planer. Um, I always mark my boards on the edge of the boards, you know, to which way the grain is flowing so that the grain isn't shooting up into the cutter head. Anyway, uh, love the show. Uh, I guess that's it. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> I got nothing else to say, so. Uh, that's uh, awesome. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. This could perhaps be my favorite voicemail ever. This is from uh, Matt Scranton. Hello, gentlemen. Matt Scranton here in Buffalo, New York again. 2017 for me is all about trying to be a better person. And because of this, I actually have a question for Shannon. Giggler and Gassy Guido, I guess that means you guys can be <laughs> a while. All right, uh, Shannon, here's my question. So hopefully that gives you enough information to give an informed opinion. Um uh, looking forward to hearing your thoughts or if you have any tips. Thanks guys. Oh, Keep up the great. You know it's, it's really bad Talk because it took Bye. me like way longer than it should have to know what the heck was this going on. <laughs> What is he doing? Is yeah, it he, took me a couple he, seconds. Is he to scratching records over there? Is that some kind of like, bed noises? Is that wait, some wait, kind wait, of noise wait. that like a saw makes when you're cutting? I'm like, no, that's not quite right. Yeah. <laughs> nah. I was like, oh yeah, never mind. We're just getting yeah. to that point now where if you don't, haven't listened to a bunch of the shows, you're just lost. Like the inside jokes are just over your head. See, the thing is, though, <laughs> is I've been to the zoo enough times that that sounds more like a chimpanzee or oh, a monkey than a gorilla. It really I, does sound like a smaller gorilla's variety. Gorillas roar. You know, they're, they're, they make really deep. Haven't you seen King Kong? Come on. It's not a gorilla. It's more, definitely more of a scary sound when they decide to make noise. Yeah. It's kind of like this show. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, we actually do have a voicemail question. Uh, this one. Thank God. <laughs> this one comes from Vinny. Wait, it, what? Yeah, surprisingly. Uh, and we were talking about Honduran mahogany earlier, so this is uh, relevant to what I'm doing now. Hey, guys. Vinny in Atlanta. Hope all is well. I'll get right to the point of my question. I got some Honduran mahogany boards from Bell Forest. Uh, nice quality boards. Definitely not under the African mahogany uh, umbrella. Anyway, they came surfaced, and the boards that had cathedrals were just shredded. So I figured, all right, they probably went through the planer in the wrong direction or whatever. Anyway, I had the same problems. Even when I took my number four smoother to it at various angles, uh, I mean, didn't even tear it out. It was ripping it out by the roots. So finally, with sanding, I uh, got it nice and flat, and when I applied finish to it, it was interesting. On the cathedrals, it was like every other ribbon um, would soak up finish and the other one, it would pull on top. It was almost as if the cathedral was half end grain. Really crazy, really pretty. I mean, it's got, you know, it's, it almost looks like that African mahogany rift sawn ribboning you get, uh, but it's on a cathedral. Never saw anything like it. Just wanted your take on what's going on with that wood. And uh, maybe how I can look for it on a unfinished board in the future when I'm selecting them. Thanks, guys. Love the show and take care. Bye-bye. Interesting. <clears throat> Have you ever come across that, Shannon? I, mean, I think that's what we call rowy mahogany. <clears throat> I mean, genuine mahogany is still interlocked, like African mm -hmm. mahogany. So you can actually get ribbon striping with genuine mahogany. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but genuine is a lot softer. Well, not a lot, but it's softer than the African species. So um, it is going to be, uh, one might say, punkier 
than some of the other ribbon stripe stuff that you see. Uh, I, I mean, that would be a lower grade mahogany if it's coming up with that. As far as how you you see it in the raw, um, I mean, you're still going to see those kind of light and dark type strains through through the um, the cathedrals. Because what you've got is one, it's it's a interlocked or spiraled type growth where you've got one growth ring run in one way and one growth ring run in the other way. Um, so it is going to show up and reflect light differently when you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, that particular board may have been just the way it was cut. Like the way it lay in the log. Matt, you know what I'm talking about here, where you can oh, get yeah. wider spaced cathedrals based on like how that board lay with in, in relation to the long axis of the log, mm-hmm. you know, and they may have had a section where they were trying to cut around something and maybe the cant itself was canted uh-huh, in oh. the log. Um, and that caused kind of a more of a um, diagonal grain, which accentuated that rowy soft punky parts. Hmm. Um, and whereas you may not notice it before, because generally it's, it's you're looking at a thinner cross section of it. Now you've angled it and you've widened that cross section. And that's what's created that um, thinner or wider kind of less dense type stuff. Mm. That would be my guess. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, mahogany is, is very interlocked. It's just so homogenous in it's like pore structure that you usually can avoid some of the nasty stuff. And it's not nearly as brittle as like African mahogany or Sapili or Udali or anything. Okay. Good to know. All right. So let's get to our emails and uh, I'll take the first one here from William. He says, I have a compound miter saw question, so this is obviously aimed at Shannon. <laughs> if you, sorry, I'm going to answer it. Uh, if you other two want to chime in, I guess that'll be okay too. Anyway, my question is regarding sliding saws versus non-sliding. It seems to me that sliding compound miter saws have more side-to-side play in them once fully extended than a non-sliding miter saw ever would. If accuracy is my top priority and cutting capacity a distant second, I feel like it'd be better off buying a non-sliding miter saw on the market, which is probably a little more than half the cost of the second best sliding saw on the market, limiting Festool because it screws up the curve that I'm trying to grade to. <clears throat> yeah, you kind of have to always leave the outlier <laughs> out of there uh, and leave the um, what do you Chicago Electric Harbor Freight brand out of there as well <laughs> from the lower end. Uh, does this seem logical or am I trying to justify to myself not spending as much money on a miter saw? Also, any thoughts as to what the best non-sliding miter saw would be? Uh, appreciated if any of you have experience with any of them. Also note that I'm not referring to the alignment issue Mark posted on Instagram on his test Makita, just a regular side-to-side hinge slop. Okay, so this is something that is a evolving perspective that I've got, at least for me personally. Uh, and in my opinion on the sliding compound miter saw is changing because when I had the, the Capex, there was a, a level of accuracy and dependability there that changed the way I would cross cut things. Because if I can get a nice, accurate cross cut, it was like having a little mini panel saw of sorts uh, with very limited range um, that I would be able to make really accurate cross cuts with. And it stopped me from having to use my cross cut sled all the time. So think about it. If you've got one saw that you could just take the board, boop, put it up, clamp it down and cut versus, okay, well, now I got to take the guard off the saw and then I have to put the, uh, you know, the, the cross cut sled on top, make sure everything is set up and then make your cut. Um, it was just a format thing that made so much more sense to me. So now that I've gotten away from the Capex and I'm working more with the construction grade brands, I've got a Bosch and I was trying out a Makita. I feel like the Capex has skewed my expectations of what these saws are supposed to do and what they're capable of doing. Now the Makita, like he says, that's a whole different issue. There was a manufacturing flaw there, but even if there is no flaw is the the play that you have in that sliding compound miter saw uh, is that appropriate for fine cuts, you know, and the stuff that he's trying to do and, and uh, pre- precision and, and super accurate cuts? And I think the answer is no. I think you you might get lucky. You might get one tuned up, put a really good blade on it, and you can get good results from it for sure, but it's not necessarily the best tool for that job. So if you have other options like a crosscut sled and those are producing dependable results, I actually am starting to think that it might just be better to have a standard chop saw that doesn't slide because you're not using it to cut anything more than like a six to eight inch board or whatever the, the capacity would be for one of those, like a 12 inch chop saw. I, I just feel like, yeah, if you just want a dead on accurate 90 on a small board or you're cutting, you know, uh, some type of molding or something like that, 
the the less or the fewer parts that move, the the more sturdy that thing is going to be, and the less it's uh, less chance of it going out and being off from ninety. So yeah, I'm actually starting to to think about well, maybe you know this uh, sliding compound miter saw thing isn't all it's cracked up to be, and that I should be using my my crosscut sled more. Uh, Matt, when 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 you were out here. Now, granted, we were having a problem with that Makita at the time. <laughs> <clears throat> so, you know, all bets are off. Uh-huh. But we were doing miters. So the key with a miter is you get something that's set up perfect at 90, and if it's built well, you just move it to 45, and you're going to get perfect miters. So we were looking at the differences between should we be using a, a miter gauge at the table saw or should we go with the slider? And we just kept running into problems, and it was just like – it was not worth it to do it on the sliding compound miter saw. And instead we just uh, did most of the miters over at the table saw and the results were perfect, like dead on perfect. There was, there was like a lot of times I think, Oh, you might want to get a shooting board or something like that just to finesse them. There was no need. There just was no need for it. Everything was perfect. So yeah, my opinion on this is changing as time goes on, but I would say, I think your, your thought process here is right on William. I would definitely look at, some of the the current ones, excuse me, as far as brands, I haven't dealt with them myself. And you're still looking at the same brands that you would be looking at in the sliding market. Uh, I know a lot of people like the DeWalt models. Uh, You know, I think Makita, I'm sure Bosch has a non-slider option as well, but I've never really looked into them. So it's going to be a new area for me to explore. So I guess I'll have to let you know. More things for you. I just don't get it. (laughs) I I mean, that, that was the first tool that, that I got rid of. And well before I started down the hand tool path, mm-hmm. it just to me, it's a it's more of a contractor job site saw. And it's fantastic it because it's something you can put in the back of a truck, Honda Ridgeline or any other truck. <laughs> and and you take it to a job site and you use it for cutting like long molding strips and things like that. So the compound, the whole well, the compound thing was, you know, there for compound angles, c- crown molding and stuff. Mm-hmm. The sliding thing came in because it's like, all right, now people want to want a wider cut capacity. But that was still such a small, small part of what you actually needed it for. Like, mm-hmm. how often did you need to do it? It's like, well, if you're a stair builder, you know, I'm cutting stair treads. But <clears throat> so much of what the miter saw has been expanded into do is something that like your tables table saw is going to do better. Right. You know, and it's like, well, job site table saws, they're kind of crappy. Okay. But if for our particular world, Mm -hmm. you know, the wood shop woodworker, the forgive the expression, the fine woodworker making furniture and stuff like that. Oh, how dare you? I just don't, I don't see the place for that particular tool. I think it feel like, I don't know. I mean, if people will say, yeah, but it does really, really long stuff really well. Okay. I mean, are you building a lot of stuff that requires 12, 15 foot long pieces you know, that, that are difficult because they're cantilevered off your table saw or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, and if you're just using it to break down stock, <laughs> there's so many other ways, you know, that, that, that could be done. I don't know. I just don't, I don't get the miter saw thing at all. It's convenient. I mean, if you have other ways to break down stock, let's say that is the use case, um, <clears throat> they're all going to take longer, you know? So I, I it, it is a convenient thing, but if you're looking at it as a precision tool, that's when things right. start to break down. Yeah. And I think that was where my getting it falls apart. Cause yeah. it's like, it really doesn't add much to the, you know, if you wanted to break down stock, yeah, it's faster than a scroll saw. You know, it's faster than a hand <laughs> I saw think it is. <laughs> you mean a jigsaw? <laughs> not, not a scroll saw, a jigsaw. Sorry. That's what I want to see. Oh, I've been trying to cut this eight quarter board for five hours and I, I keep breaking blades. What am I doing wrong? <laughs> but, you know, a circular saw will do it really, really quickly. Granted, it can. It can. A lot of people are scared with kickback, and I've I've seen some crazy stuff at the lumber yard. And you need people. the right setup to do it, right? You know, right? But uh, you know, it's just it's not so precise. So I've always looked at it as a rough type tool. Um, the when I was at William Ings, um, and this was when I had the Capex, and I, I had to wrap my brain around you know doing things a little bit of a different way because it's someone else's shop. He had the crappiest sliding compound miter saw sitting on the bench and it was just, you know, we're talking to school. So it's a very wide bench. It's always set up, ready to go. So you want that quick kind of tool to do that job. Uh, and he's got this sliding compound miter saw there. And I'm like, this is just garbage. Like, how is he going to get any good results out of this thing? Because again, I'm thinking, you know, that he's doing something other than a quick chop at 90 degrees, but that's all he uses it for. Uh, and mm-hmm. there was no reason to have anything else because he has everything else in the shop dedicated to those really accurate 
precise cuts that you need to make. It was just, to me, the, I'm, again, this is a, a evolving thought process here. I'm starting to think that's the smarter way to go. So, so Matt, I want to know, what, what's your setup at home? What do you have in terms of a miter saw and, and what's the use case? I have the uh, Makita 12-inch slider. It's on the floor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, I use it um, almost never. Well, I, I use it for any, like, I don't know, miter cuts on mm. stuff. But even, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'll use it on the high boy to do the, the gooseneck molding because that stuff is an S-curve, and you got to, like, mount it up vertically on the saw, and it's, like, three inches thick. So I'll use it for that. That's the use case for it. That'd be really hard to do on a table saw. It would be impossible, but it'd be really... I think it'd be pretty scary to do on a table saw. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really it. It's just nice for, like, if I'm if I'm trying to fit, uh, like, a molding around a case, and yeah. I'm trying to get the angle just right, so instead of using a shooting board, I'll use the miter saw and just keep it right there and just, you know, just chop at Sneak it. Sneak up on until it. I get the, until I get the angle right. Because so, it's right there by the bench then. Yeah. It's not to walk across the shop every time, but I don't really use it a whole lot for much anything. I use it for stuff around the house. I've been doing trim work. That was probably the last time I used it for real was selling trim. But like, Which you might even, in that case, you might take it out, put it in the room, and you're doing your work on location right. in those yeah, situations, so it was right? upstairs. I mean, it wasn't in the shop at that time. See, and this right. is one of the Which most... Which is what re- I think this saw is made for, right? It's a job site saw. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, one of the most requested things I've gotten, whether it's Guild or FreeSite, people want to see me do a miter saw station. And I've been hesitant to do it because part of my problem is I don't want a dedicated miter saw station. <laughs> Right now, give me a bank of cabinets and I throw a miter saw on it. Okay, I'm fine with that, but I just don't. And especially now, I'm getting even further away from this whole extreme miter saw station concept because I feel like I'm I'm pulling away from that. So that the miter saw might be just one of three or four benchtop tools that need a home, including the the benchtop mortiser and maybe my bench grinder or uh, some sharpening stuff. So like this, um, before I commit to anything, I've really got to figure out what the heck I'm doing with this because I, I, it feels so weird to pull back from a tool that I've really relied on uh, so much for, for years. But I think my, my expectations are off and misplaced a little bit. Yeah. That was like the dumbest thing I ever did in my shop was a full blown miter station. It took up so much space. <laughs> right. And it does, you only know, and that I tried thing. to integrate it into the lumber rack and it was, you know, Oh, it's right under the lumber rack where all the rough cutting will be done. I was so glad when I broke that thing down. It was yeah. like, I it just got a hundred square feet back. Like, nice. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Long answer, William. Sorry about that. Hopefully that helped you out. <laughs> uh, I think he's going to go get a regular chop don't saw. Don't buy a miter saw. Just don't do it. Don't even bother. Just get a nice sled. Uh, Incra 5000 will be good. One of those big giant sled I mean, things. It looks really good in the box. It does. Oh, Matt saw it in the box. Well, here's the thing, Matt. <laughs> it's still in the box, but now it's at least leaning against. Uh, I'm actually using Nicole's method of trying to get me to do stuff on myself. So like if she wants me to, to clean something or maybe put something back into the shop, she'll put it in my path so that I can't miss it. Right? <laughs> it's in the way now. So now I've done the same thing to myself. I put the parts against the table saw. I have to address these things before doing That's anything awesome. else. It's probably still not going to work. At least you know. Yeah. <laughs> I know my what limitations. What I find interesting is your relationship with Nicole is exactly the opposite of mine with my wife. Oh, I'm putting really? stuff in her path to get her to do things. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we actually get on each other's case like 50-50, but it's about very different things. So, you know, we have different jobs. So when she leaves dishes in the kitchen, it drives me nuts. But if I leave my underwear on the floor, that drives her nuts. <laughs> so it's all good. Oh, man, I really missed some some cool stuff when I was there. Underwear on the floor? All right. You never went in my bedroom. You would have seen plenty That's of all, all cool stuff. I assumed it wasn't <laughs> in the bedroom. Look out, Great Britain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't leave my I underwear. Well, underwear on the floor is cool stuff. The kids leave their underwear all over the place. Mine is isolated to usually our bathroom. Uh, okay. I think, uh, Matt, I think you're up. I'll make this one quick. This, this should be a lot quicker in comparison. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is from Nick. He says, if you store logs for a few months to a year outside, especially overwintering them, do you debark them or leave them as is? And how long can you store logs before milling? Okay. So I can give you what I do, and it's going to be different because I live here in the frigid north, apparently. If you are down south where you have to deal with insects, you might have a different way of thinking about this. 
So I leave the bark on the logs as long as possible because it gives the logs an added layer of protection from the sun and from the elements and things like that just to keep them a little more protected. That way you don't have the actual bare wood being um, you know, struck by the sun. It could start cracking. And you start getting some really big checks that could extend deep into the logs. And then you start uh, cutting boards out of that log. You end up with those checks that are in the board itself. So you end up with a board that's basically split in half. So you get two narrow boards with, or with well, how about this? Two boards that are next to each other that have live edges on both sides. Kind of, in a sense. <laughs> 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 one side's a crack and one side's the edge of the log. <laughs> nice. Um, as far as storing them go, I'll keep them off the ground and... If possible, out of the sun again. Uh, shady spot on some other small logs or on some you know six by sixes or something, just to keep them off the ground so they don't have any problems with rot. And that gives a it keeps them dry enough so that the insects don't go ahead and start living in there either. So, and you can keep them up there. Ideally, you want to saw them as soon as possible. It's easier to saw lumber when it's wet. So if you've ever done green turning or dry turning. You know, it's so much easier to turn a green bowl than it is to turn a dry one. Same concept with sawing logs. It is so much easier to saw them when they're green. Um, and then the other thing, too, is they'll get them drying faster. And you can start using them faster. And you don't have to worry about the defects of the stress building up in the log as it's sitting there essentially drying out and building stress. Okie dokie. Okie I always wonder about that. Every time I go, there's a sawmill that I drive by on a regular basis, and I swear it's the same logs that's sitting there. I mean, now, granted, when you drive by, it's like, but th- there's a couple like really kind of unusual looking, like crotch type things that stand mm. out. And I look at that and go, that's the same log that's been there for like five years. <laughs> um, but if you go to any sawmill, I mean, certainly some of them have higher production, so they're turning over those logs a lot more. But there's a like a mom and pop one uh, near me that I don't think they've touched the logs in the back of their log yard for like <laughs> 10 years. The bark's on them, and I think that's what they're thinking is, well, hey, that protects them when they're trees, you know, so yeah. why not while they're logs? And, I mean, if, if they're yeah. stacked, the outside ones take the brunt of it, and the ones in the middle are kind of protected. Maybe that's their plan. So you got that a little bit going for you, but yeah, you get logs sitting around for long enough. They start, you start getting like actual cracks in them. And if you have a log that's cracked, it's trying to saw a board out of that, you know, perpendicular to that crack. That cracks in your right your board, so you end up with lower yield. But if you're only sawing that for like pallet stock or something, then who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so that could be what they're using it for. It could be just crap they're using for pallet stock. But and for furniture that. making, not so much. But if you're like, construction building where they're going to be breaking that down to smaller pieces anyway might not be that big of an issue yeah that's true the yield the the what they're looking for with two by fours is a little bit different yeah cool uh this question comes from daniel um he says greetings gentlemen and mark (laughs) this this question is meant for shannon since he doesn't seem to get enough love these days why why is he saying that i don't know what does that mean i don't know i'm not sure what that means (laughs) How many, how many of you guys have had somebody call in and imitate gorilla sounds? None. That's Thank God. true. <laughs> yeah, we haven't been referred to as primates, so I guess Let's we got that, that way. Sure. <laughs> anyway, Daniel says, I was hoping the Shannon could provide his thoughts on the viability and use of a bench crochet. I'm planning on building a seven inch nickels and bench and yeah, I want to use it. So, um, yeah, I just built a workbench as some of you may know. And I, had planned on putting the crochet on the bench and frankly just kind of ran out of time. And it was just one of those things where it was just an additional, additional thing to do. Mm-hmm. I have used a crochet on a couple of benches before. If you don't know, a crochet is, is a, is a stop. It's on the face of the bench and it comes out at kind of an angle. So not only is it holding the board while you're planning, but it also is kind of squeezing it up against the front of the bench. Um, what I use on my bench up in Maine right now is just a simple peg and then I have a row of holes underneath it that I can use a hold fast in. So it's doing the same thing, but it's requiring two points. Um, but I've actually found that it holds it a little bit more securely that way, because not only is the hold fast squeeze in against the front apron, but because of the, the frequency of the holes down the leg, I can actually set the hold fast as a peg for the board to rest upon. Um, so it's pressing up against the one peg and then resting on the hold fast. So the two points of contact and then the hold fast itself is pressing it against the front of the bench. And I find that that is so much more stable 
than just a crochet. And a lot of people will say they use a crochet and a hold fast. That begs the question of, well, why do you need a crochet in the first place? Mm -hmm. So there, there's certainly some merit to the fact that it's pressing it up against the bench like that. But I also found while I was working with a bench with a crochet, what I did more than anything with that crochet was bump into the damn thing. <laughs> I kept smacking into it. Every time I turned around, I was whacking my hip against it. Or if I was reaching over the bench, it was like catching, like, like I had cargo shorts on. It would catch like the side of the pocket and be like, Oh, geez. <laughs> you know, it was just always reaching out and grabbing stuff. Um, I bumped my oh elbow on the thing. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it got yeah. Fresh. It got fresh. <laughs> but the worst thing was, was I kept bumping my elbow on it. And I kept thinking maybe, you know, it should be mounted lower, but then it didn't really seem like it would fit the purpose. So there there are alternatives. I can't remember what the name the name used for it was, but there's a you can actually create like a sliding crochet that actually um, think of like the plane stops that you hammer up and down that big like four by four block. Think of that turned on its side and kind of on an angle and you can tap it in and out and you're creating a moving crochet. That's another option. But honestly, the peg and the hold fast works just fine. And it's a single hole and a single dowel and, you know, some hold fast. Uh, as far as making one, you've got to laminate some stock together or you've got to get one that's that's thicker stock, like 12 quarter stock, because you really want to orient that so that the grain is running along the long axis of that angled piece. Otherwise, you get short grain situations, and you're liable to snap it off. So if you can't get 12 or 16 quarter stock, you're just going to want to laminate together some pieces, lay it out on an angle, cut an angle on the end and screw it to the bench. You don't want it to be permanently installed because this is something that is liable to either break or in my case, you go, there's damn things in the way. And you want to get rid of it. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I have mixed feelings on this. It, it is effective, but at the same time, I just don't think I don't want one on my own bench. So <laughs> Shannon don't need no stinking crotchet. Yeah. I don't need crotchet. no crotchet. Crotchety old man. Yeah. I'd rather have tubs. That's right. I mean, all right. Okay. Miami Vice. It's well before your time, Matt. Oh, definitely. Continue. Yeah. All right. Go watch the wedding singer. You can. That's a good. That's a good movie. One yeah. of the few good Adam Adam Sandler movies. <gasps> Did I say that? Yes. Uh, okay. So <laughs> iTunes reviews. If you want to help us out, you can look us up in the iTunes store. Click on ratings and reviews and give us a sweet five star rating. Quite a few people did. I'm going to read one that didn't. Let me think about that. Here's a three star review. Uh, he says or she. Who knows? It would be much better without the schoolgirl giggling and childish poo-poo talk. So just for okay. this just for this person, every time I say poo-poo, Matt, could you giggle for me? Just do oh, it, definitely. Like an exercise. I'm pretty sure what you do. It's like an automatic thing. I mean, we're going to do it right now. Like poo-poo. <laughs> poo-poo. <laughs> poo-poo. It's like it's, this is what I do with my kids, actually. <laughs> I put one of them down on the couch and I'm like poo-poo. And they're like, ah! you're so funny dad all right so the, there you go so if you didn't like that um i hope you like it less now <laughs> okay exactly you tuned out it's only a three-star show why you're still listening uh, okay so if you want to help us out on patreon of course you can do that patreon.com slash wood talk and you can head to the tww store and pick up a wood talk t-shirt and we will soon very soon we're still trying to get all the details worked out it's you know it's a thing we're trying to get those usb sticks that have like as much of the wood talk archive as we can get on there which should be pretty cool we'll have those available soon uh, we also have a um, email extra coming up here for $4 and higher patrons. Um, so if you are one of those people, you'll get that content. We're going to be talking about microbevels. That'll be the topic for our email extra. And uh, I think that's about it. So Shannon, you want to give them all the info and we'll get out of here. Okay. If you've got stuff you want to tell us, comments, questions, topic suggestions, we will happily ignore them if you send them to uh, uh, woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Uh, that's where the best place to send your voicemail apps and your questions and stuff. You can also fill out a comment on the webpage. Go to the webpage, woodtalkshow.com, scroll to the bottom and tell us all the things that you love about us. We like that. Um, we're on w Instagram now for lots of giggling and poo-poo jokes and Photoshop <laughs> photoshoppings. So if you do catch Matt with his film crew, you can send it to us <laughs> and Matt will guaranteed end up on the Instagram uh, oh. for for wood talk which i'm in the same situation marks has where now i have to expand my screen because i can't see that because i can't remember <laughs> what our own instagram is it's just at wood talk show wood which talk I show really, 
should have known that already. Mm-hmm. And that that's it, really. We have our own sites. You know what they are. If you don't, then who needs you? What? <laughs> wow. What if, what if the person's new? That is very disrespectful, Shannon. Yeah, that's me. Gorillas are disrespectful. That's right. Gorillas just don't. Woodwhisperer.com, acrimonial.com, <laughs> renaissancewoodworker.com. There you go. Uh, oh, thank you. Jeez. Uh, all right Wolf. well thank you for listening everybody and uh welcome back to the show and we will <laughs> we'll catch you later <laughs> uh. mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market